Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, they did it. The Utah Jazz won again. This time, the Jazz take down the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I'm not going to tell you New Orleans is a good team, but I do believe they're a hot team. And that can be every bit as important. The Pelicans are 14th in the West. They are not good, but they got a lot of new players. They got a lot of young guys. They're missing Derek Favors for a couple reasons for a long stretch of time. He's come back to put together a series of double doubles and has uh, has helped them win six of the last eight games. And I thought the Jazz. This is probably kind of a B game from them on the road, maybe B minus. And they got the win anyway. So that's impressive because you can't bring your A game every night, 82 games. It's too much of a grind. Can you win even when you're not at your best? And the Jazz gave up 126 points. So you can assume defensively they were not at their best. But they did do a lot of things right. They were awesome offensively, 128 points. They made a lot of shots. They uh, got Bogdanovich going, and he had a 35-point game. But it all came down right to the end. The Jazz had the ball in a two-point lead, 30 seconds left, hit a bucket, and the game's over. And they ran the clock down, and I thought Bogdanovich got a good look straight away. He was having a big night. He was 3 of 8 from 3 at that point, 37.5%. He had a 35-point game. They uh, were afraid of him driving by them because he'd beaten him to the hoop for some layups over the course of the game, and they'd fouled him and gotten 10 free throws, and they didn't want to foul. So sure enough, they back, him off, back off him a little bit. He gets a good look, but it's short. And... The Pelicans come racing up court with like six seconds, and Brandon Ingram, they got the they got the ball to their best player, they got it to the right guy, and he went at the hoop hard, and I thought there was contact, and he hit the ground, and you see the replay, and it is definitely a total judgment call. If you're on the road, you kind of got to expect that goes against you, and it didn't go against the Jazz. Now, there wasn't a lot of contact. There was enough they could have called something, but they didn't have to. It was a classic, hard-to-call, gray area call, and this is where consciously or unconsciously, and I think refs make decisions both ways. Consciously, I think they want to swallow the whistle at the end of the game, so that was working in Gobert's favor as he went up to challenge the shot. And then subconsciously, when you're a star and everybody wants Gobert to be an all-star and you know he teared up when he didn't go to the game last year, and that was the kind of thing. Because Ingram's a pretty good player. Now, he's young, and he's not established. He's not a star. He's on a bad team. So all those things work in the Jazz favor. But if someone's going to get a call, hey, he shot eight free throws in this game. You know, he's recognized as a young, up-and-coming talent. And he is an aggressive player, and he can score in bunches, as the Jazz found out. And I just think, Gobert, that was classic star treatment. It could have gone either way. And on the road, you got to know the call might go against you. But Gobert got the no call, and he got out of there. And was it a bad call? Eh, it depends on which team you root for. Those plays happen lots of times in NBA games. That's why PK says, I don't want to hear about a call because there was probably something that went your way. There's a lot of close calls that can go either way. If you've never refed a basketball game, I did it once. And it was a high school girls scrimmage. And that was enough to tell me I don't want to do it again. There's a lot of stuff happening. What do you call? What don't you call? How do you let them play? What's enough? What's ticky-tack? These are all judgment calls. And that was a classic judgment call. And it went Gobert's way. So anyway, enough about the officiating. As far as the Jazz, I thought that, um, you know, end of a road trip, <clears throat> and it's hard to go 3-0 and on the road, even if you're playing bad teams, and they did it. So all those things are, uh, are bonuses. Quinn Snyder gave him a pass on the defense, and they gave up 126 points, and the Pelicans shot 
<laughs> and they shot a lot of free throws. They shot 24 free throws and, and made over 80% uh, percent of them. I thought the Jazz did a good job of getting to the line on the road. The Jazz shot 51% from the floor, 48 from the line, or 48 from the arc from three, and 83 from the line. And at the same time, the Pelicans shot 48%. And 38%. And they shot 30 free throws and made 80% of them. So, heck of a night offensively for the Pelicans. But the Jazz just had a little more. And that's the way it's going for them in this streak. The bench was really big in Chicago. And we had a lock on on uh, Friday. And I said, well, they won. That's the kind of game they would have lost early in the year before they turned the roster over and altered the the rotation and all that. Put Bradley in as the backup center. uh, Acquired Clarkson. Gave Niang a bigger role. And now Tucker came off the bench for five minutes. So we'll see what he's going to give them. Uh, That's the kind of game they would have lost in November without question in Chicago. And the bench pulled them through. And I told Locke on Friday, I said, they'll probably win now because Mitch has probably got a 30-point game out there. Bogdanovich has probably got a 30-point game out there somewhere. And sure enough, Mitchell had 32 in Orlando when they got the win. And then on a night when Mitchell has 19, uh, Bogdanovich goes off for 35. And I got to say, Joe Ingles had another big night. 22 points, 6 assists. Holy cow, those are huge numbers. Huge numbers for Ingles. Being the third guy and doing that. So the Jazz get the win, and it was, uh, you know, it could have been better. There's a lot of stuff wrong. Quinn gave him pass after the game on the defense. He's asked about it. He said, hey, you know, sometimes the other guys are good, and they want to score too. I think he didn't want to rain on the parade. They played too well for too long. They've won too many close games. They had a graphic on TV uh, late in the game, and you may have seen it. Um, most clutch wins in the NBA, you know, and, and you can define clutch a lot of different ways. Is it a five-point game with five minutes to go? Um, you know, is there a lead change in the last three minutes or whatever? Is the game tied in the final two? And this one was. This one was five, tied in the last couple of minutes. Just actually, I think it was tied in the final minute. I think the Jazz hit the go-ahead bucket with just under a minute to go. And so it was tight late. And so clutch win for the Jazz. And they have, uh, what, tied for second most in the league with 16. And the Pelicans a young team that hasn't been through it as much, doesn't have a Bogdanovich on their roster, a veteran guy, doesn't have an Ingles, a veteran guy playing a big role. And those guys made plays down the stretch, and the Jazz get another clutch win. So, And they needed to keep track because the Nuggets won, Mavericks won. The team actually that lost to a uh, sub-500 team was the Bucks. That's And that's the first time this year that Milwaukee has been beaten by a team with a losing record. So... That, I thought that was a little uh, interesting there. San Antonio uh, beat Milwaukee 126-104. Bucks on the road for that one. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the postgame show. Stay with us. And Joe Ingles, uh, always entertaining. Uh, he has a huge game, and uh, we talked with Steve Cleveland about him. Uh, we're going to play Steve Cleveland coming up later. Talk with Steve Cleveland about some of the things he sees with the Jazz uh, going right, because obviously this is a great stretch here, and obviously part of it's the schedule and the teams they're playing. But 11 out of 12, hey, you'll take it any time, and that's what the Jazz have right now. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Steve Cleveland's coming up later in the hour. Best of the Jazz postgame show next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz picking up a win in New Orleans last night. They finished the three-game road trip 3-0 with the wins in Chicago and Atlanta and New Orleans. Didn't play their best game, but found a way to win anyway. Definitely played better in the second half than the first. Uh, We talked with Joe Ingles about this when he was on last week. And uh, we replayed it for yesterday morning. Um... You know, they're definitely starting to see some different things from different teams. And so early in the game, there's that feeling out process. What are you going to throw at us? What are you going to do different? Are you messing with your rotation? And at halftime, you got a chance to figure all that out. And i got to say, I thought the Jazz were going to defend better in the second half. But the reporters, the beat writers who are on the road, and I don't know if it was Tony Jones. It might have been Andy Larson. Um, I can't tell you which beat writer, but one of them tweeted out that it was a subdued locker room. And usually after win, they're laughing and cutting up. They said the guys are definitely gassed at the end of the road trip, three games, five days. You know, some road trips are easier than others. Uh, Chicago to Orlando to New Orleans is not the most compact road trip. You know, sometimes they send you to, to an area of the country. You don't have a bunch of long flights. Um, but the Jazz were all over the place uh, this past week. And I thought they might be better defensively. Maybe they were just out of energy. I mean, they were a little better, but they still weren't good. I mean, there's no way around that. 64 points in the first half and then 62 points in the second half. Congrats on that two-point improvement. And I want to mock that, but since they won the game by two, hey, maybe that was it, right? Gobert was not having the best game he's ever had, that's for certain. He uh, had a shot blocked. He missed some point-blank stuff. He was 4 of 10 shooting. Uh, But he did some of the other stuff. 19 rebounds. And they didn't give him credit for a block in the game, so I guess... Officially on that last play, he I thought he got a piece of the ball and a piece of the wrist, and I thought that call was a total toss-up judgment call that goes either way. And uh, as I said in the last treatment or in the last segment, star treatment's beautiful when the star's on your team and you're getting it right. All right, uh, for Rudy, I I you know there's this whole thing about whether he's going to be an all-star. I think in the ref's mind, yeah, you're an all-star, so we're not going to call that. We know you block shots. You're the two-time defensive player of the year. We're not blowing the whistle. And they didn't. And the clock ran out, and the Jazz won the game. All right. The best of the postgame show. Let's hear what Quinn Snyder thinks of it. Here are the guys wrapping it up on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Pelicans by two last night, 128 to 126. They've now won six consecutive games. They go 3-0 and on this three-game road trip coming back home to uh, Salt Lake City. They'll take on the Knicks coming up tomorrow night. But Boyan Bogdanovich with a big night, 35 points, 11 of 21 shooting. It was a perfect 10 of 10 at the line. Actually, the first player to have 35 points in a game and have zero assists and zero rebounds since Allen Houston did that back in the year 2000. How about that? Uh, Joe Ingles with 22 points and six assists. Donovan Mitchell, 19 points and six assists. And uh, Jordan Clarkson had 16 points coming in off the bench as the Jazz fend off uh, Derek Favors and the Pelicans. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Nice. Teams go through different different things during the course of a season. And, um, they're playing very well. Um, they they know who they are. You know they have an identity, and they're really tough to guard. Um, so I think our, you know, our ability to score some points tonight um, put us in a position. And then at the end, you know obviously Rudy made a great play. Um, I thought Royce, you know on the defensive glass was was big, and we also we managed. Um, you know, we didn't call timeout. Felt like 
Boyan and Donovan on the last possession, our last offensive possession. You know, and they they did a great job using the clock, and as a result, there wasn't you know there wasn't time at the end. So, um, a lot of good things from our group tonight. You know, dr- dragging a little bit at the end of a road trip, and found a way to win. What does it say about this team that on a night when the defense is not really as yeah. effective as you like to be the offense getting yeah. the difference? Well, there's going to be nights the other team tries to score, and and they're good at it. Um, so there, the, some of the breakdowns we had defensively, whether it be, and we talked a lot about not fouling jump shooters, um, that was hard to do. I thought the second half we were more solid defensively, um, but they made some plays. The first half we, you know, we... We had a few breakdowns, particularly at the beginning of the game. Um, but as I said, I think you know we were able to put some points on the board tonight. Um, and guys, different guys did it at different times. Boyan obviously, you know, carried us for a while there. How, how valuable is uh, Boyan? We're talking about Boyan shooting slump earlier, right? <laughs> so that it's a good example of. I think that's just to, to hit on it. I think that's one of the things that makes him special is that you know when he's not making shots. Um, he's actually kind of in reverse order. You know, there's been games where he hasn't made shots, and he's made one at the end. And tonight, you know, he was really scoring. I, I think he finished tonight. He just was more poised around the rim. And, um, you know, his jump shot set that up. How, how important is, is his presence uh, to Donovan? You know, when you could just kind of dump it in and do some ISO stuff with him. Yeah, you know, I, I think the majority of the game, we don't want to play that way throughout the game. Um, you know, but when the game slows down, um, his ability, whether it be to score on the post or, <clears throat> you know, face up and play in the middle of the floor and get a good shot, you know, they're not always going to go in. But I think the balance of our team, you know, is, is something that's a strength. And you mentioned Donovan and, and Boyan. You know, I, I think what Jordan did tonight, putting the ball in the basket off the bench, um, we got lifts from a lot of guys. Emmanuel had some good minutes for us. And, and obviously Joe as well. So um, we got help from a lot of different people, and you know that's how we got to play. Were you given any clarification on what the referees were reviewing on that final play? I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, I, what's re- reviewable in that situation and what's not. I, I am sure. I'm not sure what was um, what the call was, but we thought the game was over, and, and it was. So the referees did their job and did ours. That was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team wins 128 to 126. Talking about Bogdanovich, a little critical of people alluding to the fact that he was in a, a bit of a shooting slump, and there's no de- de- denying it uh, that he has struggled in recent games. He did go three of nine uh, from three, but let's let you hear from Donovan Mitchell. He talks about uh, Bogey's struggles and uh, what he did last night. To keep facing an offensive Um, you know, obviously, it's no secret he's been 
been through a little shoot or something. But, you know, for him, just be, continue to be the same. He's taking the same shots he's been getting. You know, I think for him now, it's just just making them, you know, and confidently shooting them. And um, it's good to have you back. Guys have won six in a row, 11 of your last 12. How do you kind of feel about, obviously, you don't want to tie everything to the results, but how do you feel about where the team is at at this point? Uh, we're, doing, we're doing a good job. You know, I think we can do things better. You know, obviously, third game of the road trip, we're going to be a little tired. But for us to be able to persevere the way we did and show the resiliency shows the improvements we have made. You know, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, we don't, who knows, you know, what happens. You know, um, I think the Laker game at home is really a low point for us, one of the lowest points in obviously the East Coast road trip. So be able to be where we are now after remembering that. I think that's still fresh in our mind, and we should always keep that mentality that we don't want to go back to that. Tonight, you were kind of struggling to shoot the ball, but uh, making up for it sooner assists. What were you seeing in terms of uh, your distribution? Yeah, I know for me, just understanding the shot's not going to be there every night. You know, there's some shots, you know, that, you know, I, I feel like I, I should be taking, you know, and I, obviously if they don't go in, they're being able to find guys who are open. You know, I think the biggest ones for me were the ones in transition. You know, I think those is being able to get it before defensive set, finding Joe, George, uh, big fella, like those, those really, you know, lifted, especially coming out of the fourth. And then also not having to do anything, you know, boy on that 35, giving them the ball, you know, giving Joe the ball, let them make plays and trusting your teammates. That's, that's really been the biggest thing for me, not really forcing shots where I don't have to because I think I shot like 7 and 19. It could have been, you know, the past two years, you guys know, like it could have been, you know, 7 and 25 or 26, but being able to trust your teammates and make the right plays would help me a lot. How much can you feel it at the end of the road trip? Your legs are a little bit tired. Uh, for sure. You know, you just understand that that's how the body feels. It's natural, you know, but being able to persevere is, you know, what, what good teams do when we're able to do that. That was Donovan Mitchell, 19 points and 6 assists in the win for the Jazz last night. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. I'm going to rebound and just push the ball and I just went to contest the shot. Spray my shit. I mean, uh, I went straight up in my arms. And, uh, I haven't watched the replay yet, but what do you guys think? I don't know. I know I hit the ball in my, I hit the ball in my, my, in my form. And then we just both, we fell with the momentum and just, he pulled me down and he fell. Do you know if they said they were, they were reviewing for the foul or do you know what they were reviewing for? I mean, there was no whistle blown, so by the rule, I don't think they can review it. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We just went to the locker room. You're, uh, how are your legs? Are you feeling tired at the end of this road trip? What's it do feel like a little bit of a longer one? I mean, uh, it was a long road trip, but uh, I think we, I like the way we play right now. I think we, you know, obviously, you know, a little tired, you know, but uh, but we, we still come out every night to, to get wins. And, uh, you know, we we didn't play great tonight, but we found a way to, to win the game. So it's, uh, I think it's the mark of the of the great teams, you know, being able to find the, the energy. I think uh, half of the team uh, was kind of sick tonight. How do we, we all had the code, you know, so... We found a way to fight and get a win. It's nice to know that you guys, even when you're not playing defensively very well, you get little contributions from everyone. Royce on the defensive boards, Bogey scoring, little even Tony had a block there that really saved things. Is it nice to have just all those little things come together? I mean, we know that those, all those little things make the difference at the end. You know, and uh, maybe if Royce doesn't get one rebound, we we lose that game. Or if I don't, I mean, if I don't contest a shot, we lose the game. So it's it's the the details that, that make the difference in, in tonight. 
There's Rudy Gobert, nine points and 19 rebounds, and talked about that final play where Brandon Ingram was unable to tie the game at the rim. Let's now let you hear from the man himself, 35 points last night. Here's Boyan Bogdanovich. Try to try to involve me more in a in the second half, especially on a, trying to pose the smaller smaller guy that I have on a, on a me on the switches. How's your wrist was, and what happened on that play? Did you hit the camera? Or? No, I didn't hit the camera. I fall on my on my wrist, but it's it's fine. Nothing nothing serious. So I'm good. <laughs> What does it say about the team that on a night where you're struggling defensively as a team that you now have enough offensive firepower to kind of keep up in a game like this? We kind of trade a basket with them for a, for a whole, whole game. They, they put us in a, in a, in a day rhythm in, a, in up and down up and down basketball early early shot. But uh, but end of the game, the, the last game of, of every every road trip is kind of kind of tricky game. So we were lucky tonight to get a to get a W. Rudy was was big once again in the, in the last couple of minutes minutes defensively and, uh, and on the boards as well. Speaking of that, what did you see on that final play? I mean, it's tough to tough to see from, from over there. I didn't even know if, if they review it or not, but I mean, we get a W. There's not, 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 not much to say. Uh, speaking of which, you've now won six in a row, 11 of your last 12. Uh, how do you feel about where the team is right now? Are things getting closer to where you want them to be? What's still, and what still needs work? Yeah, we are getting getting closer, but we still uh, still miss one of one of our most most important guy in, in, in Mike, our first starting starting point guard. So when he came back, we're gonna we're gonna need to to put him in a in a in a system system early. He will need to to adjust again. But like you mentioned, we are playing we are playing great basketball basketball lately. So we got two games and a home right now. Take care of, of the business over there as well. That was Boyan Bogdanovich, 35 points in the Jazz, 128 to 126 win over the Pelicans. Jazz now 24 and 12, 11 and 9 on the road. They're back in town, taking on the Knicks tomorrow night at Vivint Smart Home Arena. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage right here on the Zone begins at 6. There is the best of the post-game show as the Jazz win again, six in a row and 11 out of 12. And when we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, talking Jazz and also a word on the Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So the Utah Jazz couldn't be hotter. They're leading the NBA in three point field goal percentage. Is this sustainable? Uh, yeah, you know it is. I, I, you know we talked about this last week, but I mean they they are playing. Uh, <clears throat> A lot of teams under 500. The next seven games they play, the last three they played, have all been under. So they're going to play ten games of teams that are below 500. So that that probably to a certain degree impacts it as well. But the one thing about shooting is that 
once you get confident, that, that basket seems like it's four feet wide, and they are shooting the ball well. So I would, I would think that it will continue to maybe not quite at the clipper pace it is right now, but I think they're a very confident basketball team. And these next seven or eight games, again, with teams that are under 500, even some of them on the road, it's always tough to win on the road. They continue shooting like that. Um, you know, they got the potential to be 30 and 12 here in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. Probably won't happen. You're probably going to have a hiccup or two maybe on the road. But uh, they're playing well. Uh, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's winning against teams that they're better than. This three-point shooting obviously has been sensational, but one of the lost arts is the mid-range, and it seems like Mitchell has perfected that, and rather than continue to do the floater and maybe take something in traffic, if you break the defense a little bit, pull up, and for whatever reason, he is just awesome at that. And I'm looking for that to continue as far as him using that as opposed to the floater. How much better do you think that shot is than to shoot the floater when you're on the run? Well, I, I mean, for me personally, uh, that when I played, you know, that shot didn't exist. And, and it, over the last few years, it's become a really popular shot. But for me, just having been a player, that, that pull-up, whether it's at 10 feet, 12 feet, or 15 feet, you just more, it just seems like you're way more balanced and it's uh, something that you've done over and over. Uh, so it, for, for me, I, I know that at, the, at every level, high school, junior college, Division One, the NBA, everybody's shooting that floater because it's a pretty popular shot. Uh, but for me, you're right, Donovan Mitchell has, you know, he, he can just stop and pop and, and pull up. He's got such explosiveness that uh, he's never going to have a, par, a hard time getting that off even when he's playing against larger defenders. So, Personally, I, I love that shot. I know that everything is about the three and or, or a layup, and that permeates everything from high school to the NBA today. That's kind of the way people play. But um, I, I think having that part of your game and having that being part of your offensive structure is something that makes you a little bit different today. And uh, it, it's a really effective way to knock shots down, especially when your legs get tired late in the game rather than taking a three that maybe – uh, fatigue is set in. Uh, you take that little pull-up 12-footer and your money. So there are a number of guys in the league that shoot that shot, but not not. Uh, it's it's not something that is uh, is popular and prevalent as it was 20 years ago. You coaches, you always end up chasing your tail, right? One guy makes an adjustment, then you adjust to his adjustment, and he adjusts to your adjustment, and it just keeps going on and on until everybody's head can spin. So the Jazz were running pick and rolls, and they were getting Rudy an NBA record number of dunks. And Donovan Mitchell was getting layups. So teams decided, well, we're just going to have our big guy drop back into the paint and we're taking that stuff away. So the Jazz tried Jeff Green, but he was only making 32% of his threes. So now they're playing Niang at the four. He sets the pick in the pick and roll. And if the big guy drops in the paint, which he keeps doing, Niang gets a wide open three. So he goes five for eight in Orlando. I know. So what's the and adjustment? Is it going to be to bring the big man back out? Are we going to start seeing more Rudy Dunks and more Donovan Mitchell layups? Or are they just going to let Niang shoot threes forever and this guy's going to uh, get wide-open shots the rest of his life? You know, I think you make adjustments as a coaching staff, and your in-game coach, you know, adjustments happen all the time. And, you know, the fact that Niang had 17 and Rudy had 13 at Orlando, I mean – that, that isn't something that you would have expected. And had they not done that, they'd probably lose Orlando. Uh, but it, it's, it's what happened. They, they took what they were given. 
Um, I think that, is, that just instills so much confidence when coaches tell a guy that hasn't been playing significant minutes, hey, take that shot. That's one you can make. But uh, there, there are going to be adjustments, and I, I don't think that's going to change from in-game adjustments to game-to-game adjustments. But, yeah, I, I think you, do, you always try to force people that uh, you know, are averaging 25, 26 points. You know, let's, let's make somebody else beat us. I mean, that, that's a very popular phrase. Let's have someone else beat us. And in that case against Orlando, those two did play a huge impact. And uh, so anytime you have that kind of versatility and you have that flexibility – to play different ways with different personnel, on, you know, whether it's starters or off the bench, and that had that kind of depth and confidence. And, and the thing about it right now is, is that this is such a great stretch where, you know, you're, you're, you're not playing the elite teams in the league. Not to, Hey, listen, you can be beat by anybody in this league. There, there, there are pros on every team, and if you don't come prepared to, to play, you're going to get beat. But this is a wonderful time with about half the you know the games left after this to be playing with the greatest confidence that they have and uh, you know I don't I don't I still don't think I think I think right now you know they're within a game of being in second place one you know one loss from the difference between second and fifth right now but they're they're certainly putting themselves in a position to uh, to maybe have a first round home game. So I think this year if Gobert doesn't make the All Star team, it's an absolute joke. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we we see him and watch him, and he, he just changes the game. And uh, and and sometimes, you know, whether it's rebounds or blocks or whatever, but just his presence alone, whether he blocks a shot or not, but people have to change their shots. Uh, he, he just he has a, such a presence there that uh, offensively and defensively that's so unique. Not very many players like Rudy. I mean, there's some bigs that do certain things but uh, he's so long and athletic and uh you know he just always seems to come ready mentally and emotionally to play you, you don't see him just kind of drop even if he doesn't score a lot he, he's always there at the defensive end which makes utah pretty special because you, you just can't do this with with you know if you, if you don't you know I mean, the lakers and the clippers you know they obviously have some superstar power and uh and I, I think we've, we've got some superstars in the making. Certainly Donovan Mitchell is one of the top players in the league. But if you don't have that, you, you've got to be able to defend. And, uh, and the teams that defend in this league and execute like Utah are, are, are the ones that are going to be in you know, the top two or three of each of the, the conferences. And Utah's proven they've been a pretty good defensive team. Now offensively they're doing special things. And ironically, they're kind of doing it without Conley. I, I haven't heard. When, when is Conley expected back? Very quiet on that front. No guarantees. Oh, the fact okay. he already came back once and he was hurt by the third quarter, I think they're going to be really patient, really conservative, and I don't think they want to put anything out there. Ever since the Carlos Boozer uh, thing lingered and Jazz fans got really bitter at Boozer in a way they rarely get bitter at Jazz fans, uh, the Jazz have been really careful about any expectations for players to come back, and that's going back it's a just, decade. It's a good time to rest them. You know, it's a really good time to rest. And now you get confident guys, and he comes back. Uh, there's not as much pressure on him to immediately have to, you know, perform. He he can kind of transition into that situation, be kind of seamless, and uh, and everybody else has gotten better while he's been out. So you've got the Fresno State connection with uh, Paul George, and the Clippers over the weekend 
gave up 140 points and lost to the Memphis Grizzlies and then gave up 45 points to the Knicks in the first quarter. And I know NBA guys get hot. I know they came back and won the game 135-132. But Doc Rivers' head's got to be exploding. 272 points in two games against lottery teams at home. What is going on? You know, I mean, obviously Paul didn't play in the one game, and, and he is a big part of what they do defensively. It's a long season, and, you know, it seems like that the Clippers, you know, when, when, when they, they don't play like that when they're playing the Lakers or they're playing, I mean, you know, the, the top teams. And what's happened, it just, it just seems in the last week or two that they get really up for certain games, and, and there's kind of an immaturity with that team right now defensively where they just kind of go through the motions, and, and they do have a lot of weapons. And the, the fact that Paul or – or, or Kawhi can sit and they can still win games because Lou Williams is going for 25 or Harrell's going for 20. You know, Harrell's going for 25. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that can score, but I don't know. It, it, it just They have just been going through the motions, and they can't play like that. I mean, you can't there, – there's no question in my mind that they can beat anybody in this league on any given day, any place, because they have depth and they play hard. But it's just interesting. It seems like when they play the marquee teams, they, they really get up and they compete. And then they just kind of look past it. And that, that's kind of a immature, uh, youthful type thing. So I'm sure Doc is going crazy, and he, they're probably getting an earful. But that, that's unbelievable. I mean, that, that's just absolutely unacceptable. You know, Patrick Beverly for a while was out. He's come back. And he seems to be the guy that's the glue guy defensively gets everybody going. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand that. It just doesn't make any sense. Even if, even if Paul or Kawhi or both don't play, uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're playing at home. So, are we going to hand Mark Pope the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year already? <laughs> well, it's probably a little early for that. He, he's done a really good job, and uh, you know, as as you look at BYU uh, analytics and everything else, I mean, they're a team that right now is in the NCAA tournament. Now, there's there's a lot of games. I, I, what's interesting about this WCC? Obviously, Gonzaga's picked to win it each year, but I don't know if you were following those game scores. But, I mean, Pepperdine's down three twice in the last minute, minute and a half, has a chance to tie or win that game. And, uh, and I, I know the Pepperdine group really well, and, uh, and they've got some seniors, Edwards, and, and, and they've got a really good point guard there, but uh, Colby Ross, who had 24 points. But it's just interesting to see St. Mary's get beaten quadruple overtime. <laughs> Uh, to UOP, a team that's really struggled this year. They're 14 and four, uh, but BYU's been really consistent. And uh, they, defensively, I mean, holding LMU and LMU is not very good, and they have a hard time making baskets. And but to hold that team to 38 points, you know, when BYU's winning 63 to 38, that's telling you that they don't need to score 80 or 90 to win. And because they are guarding, and they've they've got kind of a toughness where they share the ball, they're playing smart. You know, they're doing the things they need to do. That's what veteran teams do. So, you know what, uh, I, I don't think you're going to get an argument from anybody that, you know what, BYU, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. <clears throat> it, I mean, Gonzaga's the, the favorite, obviously, for what things they've done. But I, I wouldn't sleep on BYU. I wouldn't sleep on St. Mary's. I mean, look at UOP. I mean, there's, there's teams you can play in this league. If you're not ready to play, especially on the road, you're going to get beat. St. Mary's found that out in four overtimes. And uh, I think the thing that Gonzaga has is as they get healthy and get everybody back, they have some depth and coming off the bench. But uh, 
I like I like BYU. Mark Mark's done a really good job. There, there's a lot of energy, and he's very fortunate to inherit a group of guys that are veterans. And then obviously getting Yoli to come back, and having Jake Toulson and Alex, you know, uh, they're 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 playing well. I mean, they're playing well. We'll see what happens. They get their first big test against St. Mary's, and you know St. Mary's is going to be ready after losing a four overtime game to ULP. So that should be a great game. To to, uh, for BYU goes in there and wins, that makes a significant statement to the league that hey, we're playing for you know a WCC championship. Uh, but they've got to go in there and do that. I mean, for them to get to the next level in this league, and they've never got to that tier where it was them and Gonzaga or them and St. Mary's coming down to the last week or two to win the league championship, a regular season. But a win on the road at St. Mary's makes a pretty big statement if they can do that. So the Utes and the Aggies both lose at home to nationally ranked teams. I don't want you to use a phrase like moral victory or anything, but is there any uh, form of encouragement you can take out of either one of those games, or uh, those are just hard losses and you got to move on? Well, I, I think you do recognize that they're playing really good teams. And uh, San Diego State, wow, they've, uh, they've just, I mean, it's just conceivable they could go undefeated. And, I mean, I just, I don't see that happen. I just can't imagine somebody, that, that team in that league, and go 16 games and not not lose a game because there's some tough places to play on the road, but San Diego State is is playing really well. So no, you don't you don't go away from that game thinking, wow, we just got beat by somebody we shouldn't have got beat by. That's a really good basketball team. Same thing with Utah. You know, I mean Utah had a good win against OSU, and uh, and had opportunities. I mean they shoot 30 percent from the three at home, that that killed them. And then they also got out rebounded, which very seldom happens to Utah, but. You know, they're right there. Utah had a chance in the last two and a half minutes. They're down a basket, and, and uh, they just couldn't get over the top. But Oregon's obviously the fourth-ranked team in the country. They're athletic and long. I think Coach Kostobiak and, and, and uh, the youths have, uh, I mean, they've played to their potential. I mean, they're playing six or seven guys. And uh, I really, the, the, the young man, uh, Young, uh, as a young player who's come in, and Ryland Jones who's come in as a freshman, uh, they've really had a big impact on that team. So, no, I mean you, you hate to lose any any game, but they they certainly, well, it's how they how they react and how they recover from those losses that's really going to determine how uh, what kind of season both those teams are going to have. I mean, everybody picked Utah State to win that conference. Right now, that doesn't appear to be the situation. They've had some close games. They've won close games, but uh, losing at home kind of makes a pretty strong statement for San Diego State winning the conference. That Utah situation to me is fascinating because, you know, you were there literally when it was at its peak and had to go up against it every year. And so, you know, about you saw it firsthand. And obviously, you know, generationally, Utah fans expect to go to the NCAA tournament, if not even go to the Sweet 16. And so if they I don't know that they'll get there this year. Currently, they're not in. No, no one's in really, obviously. But their ranking and all that stuff would indicate that it's going to be hard. They still got work to do that can get them there. But if they don't. It'll be a streak of like four years that they haven't gone. But they got so many young guys. Do you see a potential sticky situation? Because it seems, as far as uh, Larry's security, because it seems like with so many young guys, if he can get them to stay, they're on to something. But at the same time, it's been a number of years that they haven't been in the in the NCAA tournament. No, I hear what you're saying. That would be the, the, the biggest mistake that that institution ever met. Made if, if the hierarchy of that institution decides that Larry Kostoviak shouldn't be coaching. 
uh, obviously he, they've gone a few years. You're right. The expectations. Uh, this is a time to be a little bit patient. This group, and and I don't know all the names of the guys, but I've I, I've followed them. They've, they've signed two really good freshman shooters coming in. Lono kids, that six seven kid who was recruited by everybody. Uh, they've got some really good shooters coming into the program. They're not losing anything here. Uh, I, I think this is a team that for sure is an NC2. I mean, I I can't see them not getting into the NC2 tournament next year. I mean, I think they're a tournament team. And and it's not to say they couldn't get there this year, but you're right. It's a pretty uphill road, and the conference is better this year. But I think Larry's done one of his best coaching jobs this year. So I, I, I get what you're saying, and there's always all sorts of noise from the fan base and from social media. But uh, I, I've been around Larry a little bit uh, in, in the last few months, and I just feel like he's in, in, in maybe one of the best places he's ever been as a coach and that team. They're very together, and uh, I just – that that would be a colossal mistake to even even start that kind of tripping, especially if it came from the institution. Hey, it's going to come from the fan base. I mean, that's just part part of the business, you know. And you're right; those fans are spoiled. They've had great great teams there, and they've had a great run, and it's a, it's a proud program for many years. But uh, this is not the time to be thinking about changing when you actually have a really tight knit group that are playing together. They believe in each other. I mean, they've competed. There have been very few games where they haven't been in games. And considering that they've got six or seven freshmen, and some of them even aren't, really aren't even contributing as much as they will in the future. So, uh, no, I, I, I like this team. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament. But at, at the end of the day, um, this, this, there's a nucleus here that can do special things the next couple of years. To mess that up would be a travesty. You know, I think that, uh, man, I think a million things about this. Uh, I think that as much as Larry has been hurt by not going to the NCAA tournament these last three years, he's also been hurt because he violated Kyle Whittingham's rule. Kyle Whittingham says when they take on a player as a transfer, especially if he comes with some baggage, if he's been in some trouble, on or off the field, whatever, he says, and he has said this multiple times, we don't become him, he becomes us. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, it's just one of those things coaches say. But the more I listen to it, the more I think that is probably what Larry did that got him in with hot water with fans as much as anything. We're not going to Utah State. It's a long-time tradition. He just broke it. We're not going to play Weber State anywhere, even at home. Another slab in the face. Then the BYU rivalry. None of this has to do with recruiting and winning directly, maybe indirectly scheduling does, but he irritated a lot of people, and then he didn't go to the NCAA tournament on top of it. Now, there's something to be said for if you're going to go down, go down your way and go down swinging. And I've heard multiple coaches say that. But I also think Donnie Daniels gets it. He gets Utah because he's been here. And he gets college basketball because Utah, UCLA, and Gonzaga have all had their best runs in the last 30 years and gone Final Four with Donnie on the staff, and they haven't done it without him. Donnie must know something. You don't get lucky like that three times in a row. He's got to know something. Do you think Larry will listen to Donnie and not have any more um, self-imposed problems? Let me tell you this. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because you're spot on. Uh, I, I was around the program a little bit uh, early in the preseason and had a chance to, to talk to the coaches. And, and, and I, I've known Donnie a long time. And Donnie and I had a chance to kind of reconnect. And it was, uh, it was a great thing. And Donnie is a great person for that staff. 
But I, I don't know that the culture of this program, you look at the last two or three years, it's never been better right now. And, and certainly Donnie is, is, a, is a resource, and he has so much experience. And obviously, you know, the, all, the whole coaching staff, I mean, Tommy Connors has been there a long time. These are bright coaches that understand it. But the Donnie Daniels does, does bring a perspective there in terms of the culture, in terms of the relationships. And he's someone that, that Larry respects, and, and that's why he's there. That's why he's there. And there have been some issues the last couple of years with losing kids, and, and some of them weren't great citizens. They weren't great people that you'd want in your program. So, you know, you, you, the, the comments that you made are right. I mean, you got you come to our program. This is how we, this is what our culture is. This is how we do things every day. This is how we play. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe that conversation, that narrative never took place. You know, it's like, hey, we're, we know he can play. We're excited to have him. But the guy doesn't buy in. And uh, that can destroy a team, but that's not this team. This team has a culture. They have a group, and Donnie Daniels is a big part of that. And I think what happens, and I, I, I listen, I was a head coach for most of my life in high school and junior college and Division One. and uh, you head coaches who don't listen to assistant coaches and don't involve them in that process and don't share ideas and, and aren't selfless in their ability to interact with other people – uh, it's hard to last in this business. And Larry's been in this business as a player and as a coach at, at every level. Uh, I think he understands that. And uh, that's why I'm kind of, re- I, mean, I just feel really good about this team and these guys just having seen that. And I think Donnie Daniels does play a significant role in that. Steve, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He's here every week. And when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Stay with us.